Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Out of the gates and ready to go. OutKick 360 is underway. 6th and Peabody, our location, and what is going to be a jam-packed, busy show. NFL trade deadline, exactly one hour from right now. And, man, it has been busy over the last hour and a half across the league with all the deals being made. We're about to recap that. Amy Dash will join us, Odyssey Legal Insider. She's with us in 20 minutes. Then John McClain in an hour and a half. Looking forward to talking all of the NFL headlines from week eight. As we head into week nine, we'll chat with John. The Texans will kick things off in week nine as they will host the Philadelphia Eagles. Gentlemen, good afternoon. Busy, busy day. So far across the NFL, we're going to be watching some pretty substantial stars in new uniforms coming up this weekend with a, a chance to get a first glimpse at what some teams look like as they make a big playoff push. So let's let's run Miami through Miami Dolphins, the biggest. Yeah, let, let's run through this and, and just react in, in real time. So within the last 30 minutes, Bradley Chubb, uh, the star pass rusher on the trade block, he has been traded from Denver to Miami in exchange for a first-round pick next year, which was originally the 49ers' first-round pick that they traded with Miami for in order to move up and draft Trey Lance. They also will be sending a fourth-round pick and running back Chase Edmonds to Denver in exchange for Bradley Chubb and a 2025 fifth-round pick. And then Miami has also, after trading Chase Edmonds to Denver, uh, Josh, uh, excuse me, Mike McDaniel, has traded for a former running back that he knows well in Jeff Wilson from San Francisco. The 49ers are sending Jeff Wilson to Miami. And a new deal for Chubb apparently already done, or the framework is already done. So they're locking him up long term. I mean, he's a heck of a pass rusher. Five and a half this year so far. Adds, adds uh, you know, a nice element to Miami. Everybody's thinking about their offense, obviously, because of Tyreek Hill uh, and Waddle and Tua. That's, those are the people we've been talking about. But uh, big-time pass rusher in a hotly contested division. Um, I don't, I, you know, they're not catching Buffalo, I don't think, in most of our estimations. But they, they have a chance to rank you know, as high as third, I, I think, talent-wise in, uh, yeah. in, in the AFC. And they're going for it by uh, all accounts. Yeah, I mean, and we were t- discussing the Bengals about being the third-best team in the AFC. That's certainly not the case after last night's not result. Right it now. can be. It can be Miami. Uh, we'll, we'll get back to Miami. Um, let's go to Jacksonville, though. Let's stay in Florida. The Jags have traded with the Falcons in exchange for suspended wide receiver Calvin Ridley, who's been suspended indefinitely for this season. He'll have to be reinstated by the league. Uh, it, it's presumed he will be after the season, but that's certainly nothing definite there. They're getting, though, a young wide receiver to pair with their young quarterback, and that's also what Justin Fields got today in Chicago with uh, the, the trade from uh, Pittsburgh, Chase Claypool to Chicago. So Claypool's now with Justin, Justin Fields. 
and we have Trevor Lawrence, who will eventually be throwing passes at some point to Calvin Ridley. Chicago got a second rounder as part of the Roquan Smith deal with Baltimore. So they give up their higher second round pick, their own, um, in this deal, but they still have a presence in the second round. Um, so seems like a good deal. You've got to extend him, obviously. Claypool, people are talking about like a $30 million a year range for Claypool, which seems pretty expensive. The price of wide receivers is obviously way up after these new deals for Metcalf and Brown and Debo and um well he has a year and a half left but um, you can always tag the guy yeah but they're going to ultimately want to extend him but a good young receiver in that big tough mold that kind of you would think suits what chicago wants in in a tough weather city um not so much a finesse guy um so a sensible thing and they come out ahead out of the roquan smith trade Uh, how are the bears buyers Right now? Well, they're more sellers than buyers. But we've so, been asking yeah. about, I mean, I, I say that also asking because we've been asked, what are they going to do for Justin Fields at some point if yeah. they really believe in him? Well, this is a nice gesture to help out a young quarterback, but I'm also looking at when I saw Chase Claypool to the Bears, I'm thinking of Titans. I'm thinking of other teams that have good records that really could use well, – Wide receiver help, and it's the Bears that well, land them? Well, uh, you're going to give something better than Chicago's own second-round pick. That's a pretty good offer. That could be, you know, 35, 36. That's hard to top that offer. So that's a pretty good haul for Pittsburgh. Again, I'm not talking about <clears throat> the why Pittsburgh would trade him for the best possible offer. How is it the Bears that are the one making the move for Chase Claypool right now? Well, consider and I, and there's still more sellers what, than buyers. But here's what happened: Green Bay was the other team involved in Chase Claypool, and they as of this morning, it was reported that the Packers were on the verge of making that deal happen. And then Chicago comes in and gets Chase Claypool. You have Minnesota, who has acquired T.J. Hawkinson from the same division from Detroit now in Minnesota. So you have Minnesota who's added TJ Hawkinson on the same day where Irv Smith goes to injured reserve. And they also, in the same division, Chase Claypool is with Chicago. Green Bay has yet to, to make a move. Two teams get better on offense in uh, in the Packers division, and they're empty-handed so far. You know, are they going to make a Jerry Judy move? That's a, a, a notch up from Claypool, right? Yes, um, and who's the other big receiver well, the, that's been at, at Cooks? Brandon Cooks. But Cooks has the most complicated contractual situation because you don't million. have a lot of flexibility with that $18 million guaranteed next year. Um, and there's also talk of Cooks maybe going back to the Rams. Yeah, and Cooks the, Ram, is, the Rams are, are heavily involved in trade talks too. The, the Marvin Jones in Jacksonville is also a name that's been floated out there. The there earliest, was a report that the Cowboys are also interested in a receiver today. The earliest that Ridley can apply for reinstatement, according to Schefter, I think, is February 15th. Um, right so after the Super Bowl. He's a non-factor for the remainder of this year for sure. So that's betting on, on the future. But he's a damn good receiver. So if you're a team and, with patience that's looking – towards next year, you're getting him at a pretty discounted rate. It's a very complicated trade. Uh, I think, uh, I, I don't know, what did you say? I thought it could range from a second to a fifth, maybe. Um, 
based on his availability? Uh, yeah, maybe based on his production. I, I, I don't know. Well, but, uh, also, I mean, what's weird about it is, um, oh, it's, it's Falcons get a 2023 fifth-round pick and a conditional fourth-round pick in 2024. Mm-hmm. And Well, that, that's good for Atlanta. I mean, obviously, they, they weren't going to move forward with him. Um, it's going to be hard for them to move forward with him. And it was a, a part of his indefinite suspension is because he placed a bet in a massive parlay, Falcons, Jaguars. You could believe that. <laughs> I didn't remember the and, Jaguars. That's great. And now he's been traded to the From Jags. From one to the other. So technically, he did officially, as of today, bet against his current team. Yeah. <laughs> Very true. Uh, suspended indefinitely. Paul, you're right. Uh, middle of February, right after the Super Bowl, he can apply for reinstatement again. It's we're presuming here, but he should be available next year. He had a very good 2020 season. Hurt, He's a good player. Then suspended. How active are the next 51 and a half minutes? Um, is, is a big question. And who are that we said those two receivers are probably the biggest chips out there? Um, are is Denver in a full sell? Uh, I mean, they moved their right. defensive piece. And what's going to happen? What's going to happen with Kareem Hunt? Yeah, I that's would, the other piece you can you could point to right yeah, now. The Browns are feeling pretty good about themselves after last night, but Kareem Hunt is not somebody that they're featuring, and he's in the last year of his contract. Alvin Kamara is the other one that's yeah. been rumored that would be a that huge, would be huge piece, piece for someone. Of the day. That, that he's a franchise changer. Um, so that that would be an amazing one. But some, something crazy is going to happen here in the, in the next little bit. I mean, think about what all the craziness that's already happened, though. I mean, we, we have, we're 50 minutes away from the deadline across the league, and we've already seen Christian McCaffrey, Bradley Chubb, Roquan Smith, Chase Claypool, Robert Quinn, Kadarius Toney, James Robinson, William Jackson III, who's now a member of the Pittsburgh Steelers from Washington. Robbie Anderson was traded from Carolina to Arizona. Um, TJ Hawkinson now with the Vikings. Uh, craziness. Vikings and Detroit have something going on because they made the trade um, that allowed Detroit to se- select Jamison Williams, a draft day trade, which is pretty big for divisional rivals to do. And then today they amped it up to a player. Uh, and Minnesota Irv Smith was put on IR today. So he's, and I saw maybe eight to 10 weeks for him. He's an underused piece on their offense as far as I'm concerned. Um, and then uh, they're replacing him with a better guy in Hawkinson, um, who it sounds like Detroit doesn't have a long-term vision for, a second contract vision for. Minnesota clearly does, but you're going to see that guy twice a year. So yeah. you've got you to be confident that he's not going to hurt you in any, any big way. They clearly are. Two teams not afraid to trade with each other in the division, which is refreshing, frankly. Um, and then you think about it from the – from the league perception of just trading a former, what, first-round draft pick yeah. in Hawkinson, you've got the, the, the team that's trying to build offensive pieces, and they've been trying to stockpile that. And by all accounts, he was the all-around tight end of that draft, and they trade him to an offense that is in need of massive tight end help that could be a franchise player for you. And that could be, you know... I, I, <clears throat> I think it's realistic to say Minnesota could be an NFC championship hey. game team this year. No doubt. I'm and not. I'm not big on them. I think. Chad, I think they're they're inflated. But what message are the Dolphins sending by acquiring Bradley Chubb? Dolphins they take advantage in. of, and clearly McDaniel likes Jeff Wilson. 
because the 49ers, they acquire Christian McCaffrey, so they don't need Jeff Wilson, who's averaging over five yards per carry on the season. And now he's in Miami, and that's really what they've been lacking. They lacked the run game Chase last Edmonds year. Chase Edmonds hasn't done much. No, they've and they've been you know circling the wagons trying to find uh, a, a, another element of their offense. They don't have to be Philadelphia, but they're trying to run the football effectively while you know Tyreek Hill runs laps around entire receiving cores numbers in the NFL solo. You know he's he's doing great things as is Waddle. And now they add Jeff Wilson, who knows this offense and the head coach very well. What they're saying is when Tua's not concussed and not playing, we're one of the best teams in the league. We beat the Buffalo Bills, who's everyone's aspiration to what they want to be this season. So why not improve and go try to win a Super Bowl? Go try to win the AFC. And that's what they should be thinking. Because outside, and it's odd because it's in their division, but outside of Buffalo and Kansas City, who are you truly buying across the AFC right now? Why not the Dolphins? And the Dolphins are asking that same question. Why not us, if anyone else? And I, I love the moves that they made today. I had them, you know, I, I'm, I'm a little baffled at some that have not made moves today, quite frankly, that should be making moves. I'm not surprised Tennessee uh, isn't making moves. I will be surprised if they do something here in the next 45 minutes or so. They don't have a lot of money for starters. And I honestly, I think they think they're okay. More so, their view of themselves as opposed to outsiders' views of them are, are quite different. They're not looking at themselves thinking like, oh my God, we have to be able to throw better in order to win. They're thinking, we're beating people as, as we are. But and, who are you beating? Yeah, I know, but they don't, I, they don't scale it that way for some reason. That makes no sense. I, I Did they not see what happened last year or they, the year prior in the postseason? Have they beaten a single team with a winning record? Two against the Colts, one against the Texans, one against the Commanders, one and against the Raiders, Commanders who are two are, and five. Are 500 now, I think. No, I, I, look, I, I, I'm with you, but I, I just I, – I think they've got an unre unrealistic view of themselves and of their potential. I don't know. It's not – They're a defensive I, run I team, and I they think describe, they could win that way. I wouldn't describe a team – them having an unrealistic view of themselves. I think it's an unrealistic view about what's going to win in the playoffs. Yes. Yeah. Defense and yeah, they're going to the win ball. the division by doing what they're doing. More than likely, that's not going to get you a thing, other than a spot in the playoffs where you're going to get beat by a team who can convert a forward pass, right? Which they can't do right now because they have no receiving options. I I, I think I almost think Hutton and this will ring uh, familiar to you. Like they'll look at Traylon Burks and think, well, when we get Traylon Burks back, that'll be almost like a trade acquisition to us. That'll be the X factor that everybody just, says we need. It would have made sense. It, it To me, it does not make sense of Chase Claypool going to the Bears right now. It would have made sense the Titans made a move for a Chase Claypool because he could change the complexion of a team likely already going to the playoffs. And knock people to back. To a team to that their, can maybe do something. To their proper roles. Knock some guys in the wide receiving court back to more fitting roles for them. Knock the one down to two. Knock the two down to three. Then when Burks comes back, really reset the order, which is what they need. But I, I doubt it's happening. I mean, this city was on fire. This fan base was ready to burn based on the results of the playoffs last year. And that was with A.J. Brown on the roster. They trade that and dude. And Julio Jones. They trade that dude. And they now have the worst top-to-bottom wide receiver core in the National Football League. Man for man. Awful.
And no doubt. You have to be able to, you can win running the football and playing defense in the playoffs. You can't win a Super Bowl you doing can't win that. Four in a row. Only doing that. At some point, the quarterback's got to step up and make a big play. And unfortunately, for Ryan Tannehill this year, compared to last year and the year prior when they bowed out in the first playoff game at Nissan Stadium, now he's got receivers that we have no proof of stepping up and making those plays. And they talked about being great Count around the tight ends him. in that too. You know, talked about everybody being great, not just Ryan needs to be better, but we all need to be better. Well, uh, how how better can Cody Hollister be? We've seen the ceiling of Cody Hollister. He's a blocking receiver. He's well, good for a target every two weeks. And you're seeing the pieces now. Bradley Chubb is going to be the the in, in, in my view, he's the Von Miller acquisition at the trade deadline of last year, where you're getting a guy that can get you five to seven more sacks in the regular season. What's that value based on pairing that with the offense that the Dolphins have? And then you're also looking ahead to the postseason saying, look around the, the AFC and the quarterback situations and where we're going to have to go through. Buffalo and Kansas City. And now you've got a pass rusher to pair with an offense that can keep up with both of those teams. Um, w- without a, a average passing attack that's not happening yeah and if you're if, not going through both of those cities on on your path to glendale and the super bowl and if miami gets a team like the titans in the playoffs in an early round they're saying well you know titans might slow us down offensively but if if we have bradley chubb to go against dennis daly or nicholas petit frere a rookie on one side uh, a sub on the other side well, that's how we'll, we'll go about that game then. They can't throw it, and, and, uh, and we'll torture Ryan Tannehill with pass rush like that. We'll take our chances sl- throwing everybody at I Derrick mean, Henry, and we'll score enough. There, there are we'll only win 20-17, There's only 20 a handful of teams that teams right now are making moves and they're thinking about. The Titans are certainly not one of them. No, but they they're know. They're not on the radar no, right now but for the Because they know they can beat them like that. Yeah. I mean, you just have to be able to win different ways. When you take away your top option, what happens next? Miami is, I don't know if they're, um, I don't know if they're like the Rams, Chad, last year, where it's like an all-in approach at the deadline. But, but it's this, aggressive. This, yeah, absolutely. And, it's a and, confident approach. And the Rams continue to be aggressive. They, uh, the, you've got uh, Albert Breer reporting and confirming this morning the Rams were the team that offered two first-round picks in exchange for Brian Burns in Carolina, and the Panthers turned it down. Here's why the year. Panthers turned it down. Because that first first-round pick was picks. 2024. So Fitterer, worried about his job, is thinking, well, I, I, that's great, two first-round picks, if it was 23-24, maybe. Yeah. But it was 24-25, I might be gone. But again, they're, they're, the Rams are just like, we don't need these picks. Let's, let's go. That to me, that's another example of. I wish the owner would actually make decisions like this because if he's saying no because of his own livelihood, that's yeah. not what's best for the organization in a year where you need a better draft pick. Get rid of Brian Burns for two first. Well, that round is picks a long wait. Whenever it's away, it that is, is a long, long wait for him or but for the But you can also use it for your own trade back in. Yes. You can trade back in and Absolutely. get another player like we just saw but the my Chicago point Bears is, do. They, do. they need to lose this year. Brian Burns is going to help them win. They need a higher <laughs> draft pick. Get rid of him. I don't care if it was in 29 and 30. I would use that as bait down the road. Yeah, That He's is a self-preservation move. And I, if I'm the owner and I find out that my lieutenants are doing that, that's grounds for firing at that point. Turning down the two first rounds. He did pretty well in the McCaffrey trade. 
Coming up, Amy Dash is going to join us. We're going to switch gears. We're going to get back to the deadline. By the way, 40 minutes away. We'll keep you updated throughout the hour. Amy Dash uh, from Odyssey. Her, uh, she's the legal e- insider for Odyssey, about to join us. And there's a lot to discuss in the college football world legally, Chad, with charges. Yeah, Michigan, and- Michigan State, Jermaine Burton slapping the Tennessee fan on the field. We'll ask about when a fan's rights ends or begins if you decide to go celebrate after a game's over, if you also just surrender all rights as a human once you do that, as Alabama fans will claim. We'll ask her if that legally is binding. Outkick 360, excited to partner with Aurora Nutriscience, a trusted partner that keeps us at Outkick 360 mentally sharp and healthy. Aurora delivers your supplements where you need them the most, your body. You're seeing vitalifescience.com, and that's where you can go to receive a 15% discount with the code Outkick360, our Outkick 360 season ticket holders. Just type in Outkick360, vitalifescience.com, V-I-D-A, lifescience.com. And you can take advantage of all the great supplements and vitamins that they will supply for you. Typical pills, capsules, not well absorbed. In fact, most are only absorbed in small, very small amounts. But here's Aurora, unique, cutting-edge, nutritional, and absorbable supplements encapsulated in liposomes. And that ensures greater absorption in the body's bloodstream. I use the vitamin C, the vitamin D3, glutathione, and more. So many more options to choose from at VitaLifeScience.com. 15% off with the code OUTKICK360. That's Vita, V-I-D-A, LifeScience.com. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Coming up, we will continue to break down the NFL trade deadline, which is just over 30 minutes away. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Plenty of headlines coming out of the weekend and at the forefront on and off the field, Michigan, Michigan State, and everything that took place in the tunnel at the big house. Amy Dash joins us, Odyssey Legal Insider. Back on the show, you can follow her at Amy Dash TV. Amy, great to have you back on. Hope you're well. Hi, guys. I'm doing great. Great to be here. So, Amy, let, let's start here with, with Michigan Michigan State and that, that unfortunate scene that we all witnessed. When you see that for the first time, with your legal mind, what's your immediate takeaway in terms of legal liability, responsibility with something happening in a tunnel at a football stadium after a game? Well, I was completely shocked to see that number of people participating. And the first thought that came to me was to look up gang assault laws in uh, different jurisdictions. In Michigan, it seems like they have more stringent requirements where it's five or more people and you really have to be affiliated with an actual gang. But there are some jurisdictions where if there's an assault by two or more people, it's considered a gang assault uh, because you saw these guys ganging up on one of the players, uh, dragging, punching, kicking, and it's all caught on video. So obviously this is a simple case for uh, criminal investigation for the police to come in and charge people at the very least with assault, but it, it could possibly go to aggravated assault. There's even one player uh, who was complaining and that was, I don't know if that part was caught on video. There was a, sec- a separate player who said that he was hit with a helmet. 
So now you're in the realm of assault with a dangerous weapon, which could carry up to four years in prison. So the fact that that there were multiple people, that there were weapons used, um, that there was repeated kicking and punching, which helps any prosecutor to establish intent there because it's not something that just happens reactively, but it's something that's ongoing. Um, and then if you're talking about injuries on top of that, which one of the players is claiming a concussion, that could also aggravate the charges. And some of these guys, I think, will definitely be charged. But the question is whether they'll actually have to serve any prison time. Yeah. How much more severe is penalty for a gang assault based on your research as opposed to a, a, an assault of one person against another? If one player took his helmet off and started beating up the player that's not in pads, for instance as opposed to four guys ganging up on one, is it more of a severe penalty if found guilty? To be honest, I think in Michigan, it's probably a less likely charge because, like I said, they really try to show some sort of a gang affiliation. Uh, but in other jurisdictions, it could be significant. You know, it could be an extra 10 years. Some of the some of the penalties, it really depends on the state. Uh, but I think, you know, if you're talking about just regular assault, which is usually a misdemeanor versus the guy taking the helmet and slapping somebody in the face with a helmet, all of a sudden, you could go from three months all the way up to four years if there's a conviction on that. Now, of course, the, it always matters whether this person has a criminal history or not. It's obviously much easier to get a plea deal, probation, community service, things like that, if you don't have a criminal history. Uh, but I think absolutely the most glaring consequence here will be that I think their football careers will be over. I mean, I could be wrong, but I, I, it's always shocked me. Um, when it's so hard for people to sort of shake this street mentality and they're sort of willing to risk it all, their football and possibly their professional prospects in the process. Amy Dash, our guest, uh, you can check out her website, leagueofjustice.com. Um, how careful do the universities and the conference in general have to be here with how they handle this now because of the footage and the fact that it took place at their venue, they had security that were just staring at this going on. I mean, I'm not saying yeah. I would have jumped in there either, but the security's there for a reason, and they were just watching this happen. <laughs> How careful right. does this process have to be from Michigan State, from Michigan, and everyone in between? Well, I was surprised that there was a, somebody, at least that was wearing a vest that said state police literally yeah. standing right there and not doing anything and looking scared himself to sort of jump in there. So like to your point, what's the pro what's the point of security if the person is hes hesitant to get involved in that? Um, and then I think there's also the idea of something happening happening with Penn State and, you know, whether this one tunnel situation needs to be remedied. So that um, they're after a heated game and heated exchanges coming off the field, you know, you need to sort of mitigate the uh, opportunities for these sort of things to unravel. Um, and then I think, you know, Mel Tucker and I think uh, MSU handled it appropriately with the indefinite suspensions. Um, and I, it, it, it's just really surprising um, that people would put themselves in this situation. I mean, yeah. on top of the police investigation, you're talking about uh, people have hired lawyers. Uh, a guy I know, Tom Mars, a great attorney, has been retained by uh, one of the players that's claiming he suffered a concussion. So now some of these guys could potentially face civil lawsuits along with the university for assault and battery, uh, at least the allegations of that. And and then the attorney sort of talking a big game about 
pressing charges, police reports being potentially filed um, and possible punitive damages to set an example. And I think the university needs to step in and make it clear uh, that it's safe for visiting teams to come to stadiums and and really uh, like, you know, lay down the hammer on this because otherwise people are going to fear for playing and not just uh, players, but remember, there's a lot of people in the tunnel referees, staff members, coaches, and reporters, the media members were right there filming it uh, steps away. And then they're put in fear. And I mean, technically under the law, assault doesn't have to be something where somebody makes physical contact. It could be the fear of being hurt. So many people could actually have assault claims if they really wanted to take it that far. Amy, I know lawyers love hypotheticals, but I'm going to throw one at you anyway. You're you're Amy Dash now. You are legal counsel for Michigan State University, and you watch mm-hmm. this, and you're surveying the situation. Mel Tucker had strong comments, I believe, this morning or maybe yesterday, and he was reading from something I could tell about how they're not going to condone it. The players have been suspended indefinitely. All of these terms to me are very carefully laid out. What would your advice be? to the head coach at Michigan State, to the university, to the football program, to the AD, about how to handle something like this with the four players involved? I think they did everything right so far, but my hunch is that there's going to be a recommendation to cut these players from the team and then possibly expel them from the university. I I don't know if they'll end up taking it that far, but the fight was significant enough Um, The beating was bad enough. The video that captured it all was embarrassing enough that one would think that these students would not be welcome, you know, whether or not they're on scholarship, I don't know, but would not be welcome at least to play on that team anymore. So a week earlier in Knoxville, Tennessee, as uh, fans flooded the field to celebrate uh, an upset win over Alabama, Alabama player Jermaine Burton, um, unnecessarily to say the least reaches out and hits a young lady in the face as she kind of skirted any potential brush by Um, Alabama's played this down to a ridiculous degree in our, our opinion, including from Nick Saban. And we know university of Alabama people and a lot of college football people are going to follow his lead. Um, what recourse does she have here? It doesn't appear she's taking any, but what was your thinking when you saw that unfold, saw the news reports of what had happened to her in this situation where um, it, it was clear that most of the Alabama kids, all of the other Alabama kids made it off the field without incident. First of all, what I'll say, and I don't, I'm not trying to defend anybody, but I will say that the players should have a right to get off the field without being sure. bum-rushed by like tens of thousands of people. Um, I think that is a dangerous and scary situation. And I think it's, it, I understand that it's a tradition, but I am in favor of doing either a modification or a removal of that whole iconic tradition just because in this day and age, I think it puts people at risk. So, um, the question is whether the young lady assumed the risk of getting injured by trespassing really on the field um, and getting into the player's way before they were able to safely make it off the field. 
I think that it was ridiculous that the player hit her. If you watch the video, it was clearly unwarranted. It wasn't like she antagonized him in any way. She was simply following the crowd onto the field, which she shouldn't have been doing. But uh, she didn't do anything to you know, bring that attack upon herself. And it was absolutely an assault under the law, at least in my opinion. It doesn't look like she's going to file any charges, but I thought that it was absolutely irresponsible of Nick Saban not to take some sort of action to try to deter that type of conduct because by not doing anything, um, he's really complicit in, in saying or sending the message at least that that's okay. You know, that, a a huge football player can strike a young woman in the head and keep in mind, uh, I don't know if in this instance it would apply, but in other cases, past cases, it has that sometimes football players in and of themselves are considered dangerous weapons because of their size, because of their training. Um, so she could have been seriously injured. The head is obviously a sensitive place and football players know that best. Uh, so if there was any type of uh, physical injury, she could take action if she ever wanted to. But I think without any type of a serious injury, because she was somewhere that she wasn't supposed to be, it would be a little bit of a trickier case to win. So is there any way that Alabama came in or the athletic department and said, hey, coach, let's not admit any fault in all of this just in case someone decides to file a lawsuit down the road? Um, it's obviously Nick Saban's program, and he can decide to sit a guy for a game or two if he wanted to. It's ultimately right. his decision. But is there any legal background to say, don't come right out and say he did X or he did this, because then you're going to put the liability on our side by doing that? I think people will try to get away with things to legally protect themselves when they can. My hunch, and this is completely a guess, is I don't think that really applies to this situation. I don't think people were reading into it. I just think, you know, they were a visiting team. It was really heated. Um, and I think he was concerned for his player's safety. And I think what was in his mind was the fact that they were all put at risk by that situation. And he could relate to one of his players being, you know, quote unquote, scared. Listen, the player commented with an emoji and an ouch, apparently, under the video when she posted it. So that doesn't indicate to me that he was fearful, um, especially of that young woman. I mean, maybe of the situation, but it was completely uncalled for for him to do that. So I, I don't think there was too much of a legal strategy behind it. I just think that um, it's it's very different from the situation we were just talking about, where you clearly have a video of players ganging up on another player, beating and punching him. You know, so maybe um, Saban thought that he could downplay it. But listen, he's he's catching a lot of backlash for for doing that because there was video of it. So and, and there's some nuance here in terms of a fan leaves the stands to go on to the playing surface. We watch someone go and decide to make some sort of statement to protest during a game and they get laid out by a professional football player. And we all laugh and point at the person that ran on there and say, well, you you gave up all rights when you ran out on the field when the game's going on. But we watch every single weekend. You know, it's not just in Knoxville. It happened in Manhattan, Kansas this weekend. Thousands of fans rush the field, but we see that after a game and think, boy, that looks dangerous. But I don't know that we're thinking the same way of every single fan that walked out there surrendered their rights as a human. And whatever happens to them by security, by police, by a coach, by a player, it's on the other person for trespassing. I know you said it's a dangerous situation. I agree with you on that, Amy, but what... Is there nuance there? What is the difference in terms of there rights is. that you give up? 
Yeah, well, I mean, I, I don't know if this applies to the college stadiums. I would assume it does because it applies to the professional ones. But when you get a ticket, it's a revocable license. And a lot of those tickets have laws and your small fine print that say that if you violate the rules of the stadium, um, you can be removed. You do give up your rights. You know, so I think there that's where the nuance lies is that you come in and you're expected to comply with the policies of the stadium to not obviously go onto the field where you're then assuming the risk that something could happen to you. Amy Dash has been our guest. Uh, you can check her out with Odyssey, but also at leagueofjustice.com uh, where uh, you've always got great stories. You're always uh, checking out all of the algorithms of social media, but I know the one that's coming up is Deshaun Watson's coming back. And that's just around the yes. corner. So um, I know that will be uh, that'll keep you busy for a few months there. And it's not going away. We've well, got, as long as but maybe not as long as he doesn't get into trouble again. I may not be so busy with him. Well, I did notice, though, like you, you had the, the stories about uh, the new accuser, right? Like there's always something on the periphery with him, it seems like. Yeah. And you know what's really interesting is that I covered this story for about a year uh, maybe more than that. And I like to think I covered it fairly. With this new accuser, there were some pretty damning text messages. We put a story up on the site, leagueofjustice.com. And um, and I think that case will probably dis be dismissed. And I'm really shocked that a lawyer would bring that type of a case. So, you know, he, there's one accuser, at least the latest one, where I think there are serious doubts to the allegations. You can check that out, leagueofjustice.com. Hey, thank you so much. Love having you on the show. Thank and you, guys. We'll catch up soon. Thanks. Thanks, Amy. Sounds great. Take care. Yep, there's Amy Dash. Always great. Good perspective there. Uh, and Chad, solid question on the nuance. Because, yeah. you know, you, on top of that, you also have the president of the university in the suite while this is going on saying, we'll pay it every time. Laughing up. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, we'll, so, we'll pay up the fund. Yeah. But it's, it's, it, it, it's one of those that it's not just a black and white blanket thing. Right. You run on the field during the game and you stop play and there's players on the field playing, you're one person doing it, and you get laid out by security and injured and taken off. We all laugh at that. But while it's even more dangerous for the players, obviously, when there's thousands of people coming onto the field, we also don't look at that and think everyone that's on the field is in the wrong, and if any security guard wants to take them out at any time physically, right. they can do so. We wouldn't feel the same way about that because it's a bunch of kids usually celebrating, right? So we just look at it differently. Coming up, we'll get you the very latest on the NFL trade deadline, and the Colts have fired a coach. But we were trying to determine before the show what difference it's really going to make here in terms of Frank Reich and the Colts' offense. That's next on Outkick 360. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. Glad you're with us. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Coming up in 10 minutes, we've got the official NFL trade deadline, which has been busy today. 
just running through the news, and we'll recap all of it as it's official at 4 o'clock Eastern. Bradley Chubb traded from the Broncos to the Dolphins in exchange for a first-round pick, a 20, that's next year, a 2024 fourth-round pick, and running back Chase Edmonds. He's now in Denver. Bradley Chubb is now in Miami. And the Dolphins have also traded with the San Francisco 49ers for Jeff Wilson, who, you know, it, it's a luxury to have the, the backs that they do. It's also a luxury for Mike McDaniel to know Jeff Wilson well, and he gets a running back that's averaging 5.1 yards per carry. It's a dangerous move for San Francisco in my estimation because Christian McCaffrey is injury-prone. And if Christian McCaffrey gets hurt, who I have to go look at the depth chart. Debo Samuel. Yeah. Well, like they, we just saw Elijah, Elijah Mitchell. Elijah Mitchell. But, but Elijah, Elijah Mitchell, I think, gets hurt too. Well, he did last year. Yeah. I mean, that's that we know that. Is, but there, a running, not is give, there a running back who doesn't get hurt? There, yeah, but you know, Derrick Henry outside of the one. the one, I mean, It's starting to change. Elijah Mitchell's thing. had as many injuries as Derrick Henry is my yeah. point. But they're not going to put Debo Samuel, use him in the backfield as a running back like for 20 carries like, like you need to do. I'm just saying there's a little bit of danger there if McCaffrey goes down next week. You're going to say, oh, damn. As sure. with most of these trades. Yeah. But, but I mean, even with Debo, they were up 17 7 over the Rams in the NFC Championship game a year ago yeah. with Debo as their running back wide receiver guy. And they just had a quick passing game that was more or less an extension of their run game um, with Jimmy G, quarterback. They, they're in, you know, they've got, Mc, and McCaffrey looked great. It's phenomenal. <laughs> Unbelievable. And to think that that's nine days, eight days, nine days after the trade. Yeah. I mean, the first week, they did what we thought. They had a, a package, pretty streamlined package for him. A week later, you know, they've got a pass play in for him that, like you said, was a Debo play, but Debo was out, and they, they didn't have any restrictions. It didn't look like on McCaffrey, who was just exactly what we, everybody thought, why he's the perfect guy for San Francisco. Calvin Ridley, wide receiver with Atlanta, who's under suspension, for betting on games, had the parlay over what it was a three or four day span that they did this investigation. Uh, the NFL uh, suspended indefinitely all of this season. He can apply for reinstatement this coming February, right after the Super Bowl. Atlanta has traded him to Jacksonville, so that's a pickup at wide receiver for already a young offense, second year quarterback in Trevor Lawrence, and that ties in with what the Bears did today, Chad. Where We've been saying all offseason, like what, what's the plan around Justin Fields? New general manager, new defensive-minded head coach. What are they going to do to build around their franchise quarterback that they invested a lot in? Well, today, they make a trade for Chase Claypool and the Pittsburgh Steelers send Claypool to Chicago. The plan all along was get off to a rough start, don't do anything <laughs> offensively, trade away your best offensive piece, and then the very Two next day, trade in for uh, Chase Claypool to help your receiver. So who knew that was going to be the plan, but that apparently is the plan in Chicago. Some other wide receiver news from Jordan Schultz, our buddy. Patriots are not trading Kendrick Bourne. Multiple teams reached out, called about him, hmm. but Jordan Schultz being told New England will not make a trade for Bourne at the deadline. He will stay in New England. I mean, just the craziness of the deadline here. We're still waiting to find out over the next seven minutes. Does a deal happen uh, with Houston? Are we going to see uh, other teams get it? Are the Rams going to make another move? You know, they were trying to trade picks for pass rusher Brian Burns, for instance. 
Um, the deadline comes up, and you know we all remember the era of the NFL where this was just a formality. Kendrick Bourne, and it's no longer that. This day is uh, much busier. Kendrick Bourne has maxed out. Uh, he had four catches, 58 yards against Baltimore. Second biggest yardage game, one catch for 41 yards against Miami. Two other games with two catches. I mean, he's done virtually nothing for them. So I can't imagine they're being offered very much for him or that they have a lot of options at wide receiver. But, you know, last three games, zero catches, one catch, one catch. 18 total yards. Yeah, that's... That's he's not giving them vastly underproducing, but um, he's also being offered probably sixth round. We'll go through all the the trades in about five minutes and and tell you everyone who's been moved as the the deadline is official. Uh, it's a, it's official in Indianapolis. They fired their offensive coordinator, but Frank Reich is their offensive coordinator. Yeah. Correct, Paul? Like yes. not by title, he calls but the plays. yeah. Sixteen point one points. Marcus Brady is out. Sixteen point one points per game, thirtieth in the league. Four games with one touchdown or less. Um. He replaced Nick Sirianni on January twenty uh, in January of twenty twenty one, but a real scapegoat here, considering that um, the owner called for a quarterback change. Um, mm-hmm. You know what? Two weeks ago, last week, um, and you know I, what does it accomplish? The fire a non play calling a non play calling offensive quarterback. Well, I mean, it accomplishes nothing. It's just the For next sure. step before Frank Wright gets fired. Yeah. Here, fans, we'll throw you a piece of meat. Here, go try it. You, you got a few more months to go find a job, your next job. Go ahead. Let, let the job search begin. I think that's going to be the case for several people there soon. Coming up, staff. the deadline is here. We'll tell you about all the NFL trades. Then John McClain recaps week eight with us on Outkick 360.